Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. With you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. The nobody formerly known as Rich Paul. And Chris. A word from the President of the United States, Joe Biden. My fellow Americans, it has been brought to my attention that the people of New Hampshire have voted to leave the Union. I wish them the best. Thank you, Joe. Thank it you has for been that brought- so much. I appreciate you uh, and your kind words, wishing us well. Uh, and, and no, that wasn't the real Joe Biden. That was a generated voice of Joe Biden by a pretty cool website I found today called voice.ai. Now, there's a bunch of these sites out there, but we've talked about deep fakes on the show over the years. Mm-hmm. They're getting easier to do. Mind you, this was just audio. That's the easiest part of this. Uh, making a, a, a you know actual Joe Biden with the mouth that goes with the the actual words is a little bit trickier, but they, they have that now, and that is doable. I uh, just don't know what the tools are. I don't know if those tools are easily accessible, but making someone say anything you want them to say is trivially easy at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, this website, so there's a bunch of websites that do this. There's another one called... I'm sorry, but the, the name is escaping me, but a lot of people have been using it. Uh, anyway, I'll, just, I'll, I'll pull it up later. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's five bucks a month for this other site. This particular site, voice.ai, lets you do it for free to some limited extent. Like there's a certain number of credits that you get per day or whatever. And, you know, you can have it say up to 15 seconds. So there's some limitations on the system. But one of the neat things about this website is you can use other people's trainings So I didn't have to find the source material of Biden to feed into this to make the Mm. fake Biden. Somebody else else already did that work. I just scrolled down a list and Mm -hmm. said, oh, yeah, I'd like to have Biden say this thing. And then it just, you know, did a little bit of spinning and train or whatever it needed to do. I uh, I didn't type in the words for this, though a lot of these are sort of text to speech. A lot of the sites that are out there doing this. In this case, I spoke the words. And then it converted my audio, so whatever kind of cadence that I would give it, uh, it would you mm. know make it sound like Joe Biden. So if you're good at sort of talking as did, Joe Biden talks, then did, you could did really you, be like, spot on. Is it? Do you have any idea like how how it's working? Is it is it taking your audio, your voice, and translating it to text, and then converting it to? Uh, yeah, I don't know either. I'm just no kind of curious if it, if it was obvious how it was doing it. Don't know, but it works. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was the first try. I did not do more than one try. I just did one take. I wrote down what I was going to say. I did one take, uploaded that file, and you can actually do it live. You can just record it live onto the site, or you can record a a file and then upload it to it Uh, either way. And there's apparently also like a live version of it as well. So like for gamers that want to be the the person, like a different (laughs) character while they're playing their video game and they're talking to the other players, they can be Joe Biden. (laughs) All all I'm thinking Mm. is the social engineering attacks that people will end up Uh uh, doing and being so much more successful with. Like people right now... a great way to do Ferris Bueller's Day Off. (laughs) (laughs) Like right now, you know, uh, there's so many scammers out there doing that kind of thing. And it's like, but, but without without the voice component mm-hmm. you yeah. know if it can be done live where you're just talking into the device and right. it'll sound you know like somebody else that's a great point yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. scary it's you know it, from that perspective it is definitely scary because a lot of people as you're pointing out they fall for these attacks as oh, yeah. is 
I mean, they fall for um, so many different, uh, what do you call them, various different scams, right? Where somebody will say, oh, I'm so-and-so from the Social Security Administration, and uh, you have to go and buy $10,000 worth of Bitcoin or else we're going to prosecute you or whatever. And people buy that stuff. Mm -hmm. A word from the President of the United States, Joe Biden. My fellow Americans, it has been brought to my attention that the people of New Hampshire have voted to leave the union. I wish them the best. Thank you, Joe. Thank it you has for been that brought- so much. I appreciate you uh, and your kind words, wishing us well. Uh, and, and no, that wasn't the real Joe Biden. That was a generated voice of Joe Biden by a pretty cool website I found today called voice.ai now there's a bunch of these sites out there but we've talked about deep fakes on the show over the years Mm. they're getting easier to do mind you this was just audio that's the easiest part of this uh making a a, a, you know actual joe biden with the mouth that goes with the the actual words is a little bit trickier but they, they have that now and that is doable uh i just don't know what the tools are i don't know if those tools are easily accessible but Making someone say anything you want them to say is trivially easy at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, this website. So there's a bunch of websites that do this. There's another one called, I'm sorry, but the, the name is escaping me, but a lot of people have been using it. Uh, anyway, I'll, just, I'll, I'll pull it up later. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's five bucks a month for this other site. This particular site, voice.ai, lets you do it for free to some limited extent. Like there's a certain number of credits that you get per day or whatever and you know you can have it say up to 15 seconds so there's some limitations on the system but one of the neat things about this website is you can use other people's trainings so i didn't have to find the source material of biden to feed into this to make the Mm. fake biden somebody else yeah somebody else already did that work i just scrolled down a list and said oh yeah I'd like to have Biden say this thing, and then it just you know did a little bit of spinning and train or whatever it needed to do. I, t- uh, I didn't type in the words for this, though a lot of these are sort of text-to-speech, a lot of the sites that are out there doing this. In this case, I spoke the words, and then it converted my audio, <laughs> so whatever kind of cadence that I would give it, uh, it would... You know, make it sound like Joe Biden. So if you're good at sort of talking as did, Joe Biden talks, then did, you could really you, be like, spot on. Is it, do you have any idea like how, how it's working? Is it is it taking your audio, your voice, and translating it to text and then converting it to... Uh, yeah, I don't know either. I'm just no kind of curious if it, if it was obvious how it was doing it. Don't know, but it works. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was the first try. I did not do more than one try. I just did one take. I wrote down what I was going to say. I did one take, uploaded that file... And you can actually do it live. You can just record it live onto the site, or you can record a, a file and then upload it to it uh, either way. And there's apparently also like a live version of it as well. So like for gamers that want to be this, the person, like a different <laughs> character while they're playing their video game and they're talking you to know, the other players, they can be all, Joe Biden. <laughs> all, all I'm thinking mm. is the social engineering attacks that oh, people yeah. will end up uh-huh. uh, doing and being so much more successful with. Like people right be a now, great way to do Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> <laughs> like right now, you know, uh, there's so many scammers out there doing that kind of thing, and it's like, but but without without the voice component, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, if it can be done live where you're just talking into the device and right. it'll sound, you know, like somebody else. That's a great point. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
scary. It's, you know, it, from that perspective, it is definitely scary because a lot of people, as you're pointing out, they fall for these attacks as oh, yeah. is. I mean, they fall for um, so many different, uh, what do you call them, various different scams, right? Where somebody will say, oh, I'm so-and-so from the Social Security Administration, and uh, you have to go and buy $10,000 worth of Bitcoin or else we're going to prosecute you or whatever. And people buy that stuff. Mm -hmm. What about Ricky from the Commonwealth? He's on the line in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Ricky. Are you AI? I am not. And I don't know about Sarah, though. That's a name from the past, isn't it? I can think of many of them, but that's maybe for another day. You know, How can you prove you're not AI? AI? Huh? Uh, yeah, but an AI might not be telling the truth. So how can you prove you're an actual human being? Uh, you see my picture, Brother Ian. I don't see your picture. How would I see that? How would well, that no, prove you're, a, you're, you're not AI? It is me, Brother Ian. Now, come on. I, I can generate pictures, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, anybody. There's a website out there that just makes pictures out of nothing. Hmm. Well, regardless of that, I do have some bit of a news, though. All right, what do you I've got? I've come to this conclusion, you know, starting in March sometime, it's time to start wearing the Southern Cross again. And what is the Southern Cross? The battle flag in North Virginia. Okay. You know, you're going to actually... As you've done in the past, you're going to yes. wrap yourself literally in the flag. You're going to wear it, what, like as a cape? I wear it around, well, it covers my whole back and around my sides, you know. And I've come to this conclusion, you know, I'm going to get into my full reasons why. But the reasons why I did last time was, of course, a statement and a reminder to all those of the past, especially the federal government, what can happen. But more importantly, what I wanted to do is uh, have it there to create a discussion, which was 95% of the time was fruitful, you know? Now, the sad part of it is that my end result, and I remember talking to Mark about this, given the results, and I'll give them, you know? When the discussion happened, you know, uh, some people were completely ignorant, you know? This just was nothing. But then, you know, most people at least knew there was a war between the North and the South. What is you know, the conversation you're looking to start? Uh, well, it comes down to, I, mean, well, I don't want to really get into it too much tonight. I will in the future, but it comes down to it, judging by recent events and my previous phone call, considering what's going on in Florida, and that's continuing on. It's quiet right now, but it won't be for long. You know, it's going to come down to three things, states' rights, civil rights, and uh, the truth. Basically, you know, if it comes up, you know, I mean, the sad thing when I previously was doing that, and it was a really good success, it really was. But the sad thing is, like, one thing nobody realized, and it was sad, that nobody realized that the South was another country called the CSA. That was like, like nobody seemed to, like everyday people didn't realize. You're saying as you were wearing this uh, Southern flag in... Yes. Pennsylvania, where you're located, you're saying people did not understand what the South was trying to do? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, what did they, it, it, what did they say bad. to you? Uh, it varied. I mean, it went anywhere from discussions. I mean, some people, I would meet people that were just racist, and that was wrong. I would correct them on that. But when you, know, you say, oh, yeah. when you say you would meet people that were racist, are you saying that some people you had encountered believed that because you were wearing that flag that meant you were a racist and so you were one of them? Right, right, and I, I endorsed see. it. I see. You know, 
But, I mean, what it comes down to is one thing. Uh, you know, you've said it in the past. You know, when you do these things, and I didn't run into too much trouble, really, but this time's going to be different, and I'll get into that in the future. There's no time for that now, why it's different. But this is going to be a little more dangerous this time. These days, we've been talking about ending prohibition from the very beginning uh, here on Free Talk Live. We've always had that that position on this program. And in the earlier days of doing this show, it was relatively common to have people call in and take the prohibitionist side of things, take the the pro-war-on-drug side. And I'm not saying those people don't exist anymore, but they seem to have taken to hiding in the shadows uh, more so than they used to, say, 10 or 15 I mean, years ago. Is it possible that they just have died off, most of them? Some no. of them probably have. I mean, certainly some of them have. But, I mean, there's they're out there. I mean, look, for instance, look at the New Hampshire State House. I mean, it's full of septuagenarians and octogenarians, people who are your your grandparents' age, and these people are still stuck in the mud on this particular issue. I think to some degree that's true, but I don't think it is to the degree it was of yesteryear. I hope you're Mm. right about that. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see some demographic studies that show, you know, what did people in their 70s and 80s think about prohibition this year versus 20 years ago? Maybe there has been a shift. I, I mean, it seems like there's been a shift. Um, there should have been. I, I'm not saying that they're libertarian. They're all libertarians. But no, but it, the hippies. I mean, the hippies yeah, are sure. basically... My parents were born in like 1950, uh, 1951. And so right mm-hmm. now they're in their early 70s. But when it was 1969, they were teenagers, right? So like mm-hmm. in the in the height of that time of wild, you know, LSD use and crazy long hair and open sex and all that stuff like they were teenagers <laughs> right so you would think that those people would have come around on the idea of prohibition but a lot of those people changed their tune after that you know they didn't stay they became yuppies yeah they didn't stay hippies the whole time and so then once they got a taste of power they decided they were going to use it for the good of their own children and that's in fact what this article gets into here from uh, MSN and the Atlantic. For the good of their own children, what? By leaving them $31 trillion in debt? Yes, and throwing them <laughs> in prison as well. Wow. Uh, because that's what the solution is, right? Is, is to prohibit things, which ultimately means having the police crack down and put people behind bars for doing something you think would be bad for them to do. So don't do the bad thing or a bad thing's going to happen to you. We know that doesn't work. I mean, at least we on this show know that's that's not, you know, a productive way to dissuade people from doing things that you don't want them uh, or to rather from not doing the things that you don't want them to do. But this is from The Atlantic, written by a Matthew Loftus. Does it say what he's now, there's not any, there's nothing here about who this guy is or like, you know, what his references are or anything like that. He's just writing for The Atlantic. In an article called "America Has Gone Too Far in Legalizing Vice," and and the uh, that whole the, the just the title on its own is laughable, because America hasn't done jack diddly to legalize vice at this point for the most part. I mean, there's been some states that have legalized cannabis, there's been some states that have medicinalized cannabis, but we haven't really seen much more than that, with the exception of maybe uh, Denver, it Oregon. Yeah, Oregon did a, uh, and to their credit, they have 
they've repealed prohibition on small amounts. Certainly, a possession of drugs. It's certainly true that they haven't gotten far enough. Um, but um, I, I, I mean, it's. I think there's still is there's a huge difference between the '90s, you know, the late '90s and now. Um, you know, there's so many more states that have. Yeah, but it's it's mostly just marijuana. Reduced. It's true, but it's in it's going in that direction. It I is think. going in that direction. That's why this person is trying to put their feet down right now and say, "That's it. We've gone too far." Yep. Even though you know, not even all of the U.S. states, have, as he'll point out here, have come, you know signed on with even marijuana decriminalization. Well. I'll I'll start out by just commenting on that little bit of it because there is absolutely no constitutional authority for the federal government to be micromanaging the contents of your bloodstream. Mm-hmm. Doesn't say anywhere in the Constitution they're doing that. So if we just devolve that to the states, that would be a huge start. Yeah, it would. Yeah. Now, and of course, I don't want them doing doing it anyway. But if it's devolved to the states, then there's a chance that some of those states just won't bother to do it. Texas is making noise again. I'm I'm seeing some Texas nationalists on uh, on uh, Twitter and such. Have, oh, have you seen their uh, videos, the little minute-long clips that they're coming out with? Oh, I haven't seen oh, those. they're really good. I highly recommend, if you're interested in independence, follow the Texas nationalist movement. They've got a Twitter account probably some other accounts on other sites but they're coming out with these little 40 to 60 second clips where uh daniel miller who's the sort of the president of that that group he just kind of riffs i I actually spoke with him this weekend uh we had our regular new hampshire exit meeting on sunday and i was the only one who showed up and i posted like hey i'm all (laughs) alone in here and and daniel was he follows what we do and he's in our chat room and he says i didn't want you to be alone so he he clicked in and we had like a half an hour long conversation uh with each other about you know how things are going down there and he told me like how they're producing these clips i figured they were scripted but he's actually just going off when you yeah, he's winging it. Really? Yeah, he's that good. Wow. Like he is a really good communicator. He, I mean, he's been doing this for thirty years, right? So, like, he knows what he's doing. But what happens is, I guess, what happened was they got a new uh, couple guys who's their communications team, and they came up with the idea of doing these little short videos, and they just wrote a bunch of questions down. So that's all the pr- preparation that was done here. Mm-hmm. They just put him up in front of a green screen, and they throw a question at him, and then he just riffs on it. And then they do all the graphics later on, right? And then they put it out. It's 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 really good stuff. Persuasive. He addresses basically the biggest questions about what about the border? You know, what's uh, where are we going to be able to travel? You know, all the all the questions that people come up with when it comes to you know, are they going to military? Are they going to invade us? You know, all that stuff. He does a great job. And and we we discussed doing like outreach because again he's got decades of experience at doing this. Like why. You know, we we don't want to reinvent the wheel if it's already been tried out in various different ways. And he said uh, they did all right with radio. Print was not so great uh, for them. And what was like the surprising best was air banners, like flying sky. behind sky, in the sky banners. Wow, yeah, sky banners, and it makes wow. a lot of sense. You know, because. There's not a lot of clutter up there. Normally, advertising mm. is like a cluttered thing where the, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You always, you're getting hit by ads all over the internet. You're getting hit by ads if you're listening to uh, the radio or television or whatever. And this, those things are really expensive. And you know, it made me think, we got 
we got at least a couple guys, including one that's active in the New Hampshire independence movement who's an actual pilot. Mm-hmm. So, like, we might be able to save a few bucks on the actual flying time, just maybe pay for gas and wear and tear on the plane or something like that. We might get might be able to get a volunteer pilot for this. That would be awesome. And then just pay whatever the, the fee is to to have one of these big air banners made up. Yeah. It can't be that crazy. I, mm-hmm. I was going to say, I don't think I saw a response to that question. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen it <laughs> and yet. And it's bonus but, points if they can shoot down a balloon. but but think about it like you know whenever you've seen one of these things in your life it usually is memorable i mean you don't remember it now probably what it was but in that moment that day you probably said hey did you see this like when you went home or whatever Mm -hmm. when you when you saw somebody that you knew you might say hey did you see that thing up in the air did you see that you know that message or whatever it was and it'll get people talking So let's get into the story here about this prohibitionist who says America has gone too far in legalizing vice. He cites the National Council on Problem Gambling that says the cause of a gambling problem is the individual's inability to control the gambling. And they say it is an organization funded by the gambling industry to help people who become addicted to its products. This attitude that anyone who falls into gambling addiction has only themselves to blame has allowed state lawmakers to ignore arguments that more access to gambling might make it easier for people to lose control. Who besides possibly the public schools is responsible for you and and your parents is responsible for your bad decision making? Just you. Is my first question. I mean, a lot of people gamble and and just enjoy it, but, you know, if you make bad decisions, if you can't calculate odds... Then you know, take it up with your math teacher. It's it seems like such a hypocritical thing too, because the states make so much money off, off the lottery, off the lottery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which so, is just a tax on being bad at math, right? Uh, yeah, it's a great point. They're never going to punish themselves no. for taking advantage of people, and there's no limitation on the amount of times you can play the lottery, right? Like you can just keep nope. going back and buying. I'm aware of ticket after ticket after ticket, and they're not going to say, "Oh, no, I'm sorry, sir, you've had too much." I I remember uh, somebody who uh, in my youth, every single day she bought a ticket. Wow, well, just just one per day. Wow. I mean, at least one. The, res- the restraint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Since the Supreme Court struck down previous restrictions on sports betting in 2018, 36 states have legalized it, 26 of which allow for mobile betting. Did you guys hear about that when it happened? No. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. What what happened? Uh, The Supreme Court struck down restrictions on sports betting at the federal level. Okay. And so 36 states- It's almost too bad. That could have been a killer app for uh, crypto. I suspect you can still use crypto to do you, that. You know what's funny about that too is uh, what is it um, uh, that that type of uh, that that is actually like declined in like in I guess like used to, people aren't doing as much of that anymore. Well, a lot of like uh, horse how do you know horse trace racket what are they called? <laughs> Uh, racetracks, racetracks are closing yeah. down, actually. Um, uh, I don't know if that's what they're talking about here. I think they're talking about actually betting on sports games. So racetracks and all that must have been some sort of carve-out because that existed prior to 2018. But these, uh, but this is online, right? Uh, no, not just online. It, like You can like go into places, I believe, now in certain states, in the 36 states that have legalized it. Okay. And you can place a bet on a sports game. So if there's a game that's coming up or if there's a game that's happening... So Super Bowl, for instance, or you know, you pick the the league, baseball. I hockey, bet I'm not going to watch. 
indeed. <laughs> uh, but, you know, a lot of people are interested in this. And, and of course, people have been putting bets on games privately for, for decades, but it was illegal to do it. Now it's completely legal. We were just talking last week. I don't remember which episode of the show it was, but there's a whole radio station format now called the Sports Betting Talk Radio Format. So there used to just be huh, there used to be news talk, which is what we're on on most of the stations we're on. There's sports talk, and now there's a whole other talk format in the sports talk genre, all around betting on sports. So this has, in a matter of five years, become its own radio talk format. People just talking about what teams to bet on and stuff. This would have been completely prohibited prior to 2018, and now it's legal. Talking about it would have been prohibited? Well, I mean, I guess not talking about it, but I mean, essentially, if you're talking about it, you're kind of, in, you would have been encouraging people to do something illegal. And in that, that would case, have been right? illegal, maybe? I'm not, I'm oh, not we, saying that. We never do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that that <laughs> yeah. would have been illegal, Chris, but yeah. it's not the kind of thing that corporate America was going to oh, get behind. I gotcha. Right? You were never going to have yep. a radio and format prob- based on right, breaking right. the law. And probably very few people are going to be interested to, in listening uh, to a show on how to bet on sports. When they can't actually Legally do, do it. it, yeah. Major Payne is on the line in Michigan. Go ahead, Major. Yeah, I got something real quick on the prohibition, and then I got something you guys might not have heard about these crazy balloons. Sure, yeah, go so ahead. Anyway, the prohibition thing. The first two times the military was sick upon the citizenry. One was just before the Revolutionary War, when King George wanted the Virginia farmers to grow hemp for his sails and his rope, and they wanted to grow tobacco because it was more profitable. So he sicked the lobster backs on them then. Mm. And then next time was the Whiskey Rebellion when they cracked down on the Scott-Irish up in the hills because they figured out they could get seven bales of corn out in a gallon jug if they just turned it into whiskey. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Long prohibition. Long history. Yeah. There's a uh, series of on books. These crazy, on these crazy balloons, this one that was shot down off a of dead horse Alaska, I just like saying that name, Dead Horse. That's a cool name for a town. We could call it sadistic equine necrophilia, but that would be beating a dead horse. Oh, goodness. You're getting too deep in the weeds for me there on that one, bud. This balloon was was supposedly a fifth-grade science project from somewhere. Really? (laughs) And the teacher realized that it just blipped right off the radar. They were tracking the damn thing, and it just disappeared at the same time that this balloon was shot down. Now, the next one that was shot down over Lake Huron, they're claiming it was at the mercy of the winds. Well, I, they only give one little clip on the news, but they showed all kind of a squiggly track of it going all over doing hoop-dee-doos and whatnot over mm. Michigan. There's no way in hell that this thing was carried by the winds doing what it was doing. Well, okay, and then apparently statements out. from some of the pilots uh, that went up to take these things down was that they, um, what, didn't they say something about that they weren't, no visible means of propulsion. That was what it was. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's, that's what they're claiming. But the, the thing is, the, the first guy that tried to shoot it down missed. But no no visible means of propulsion, but they weren't acting like balloons would have acted, right? Wasn't that the other detail? The first yeah. pilot popped off around it and he missed. Can't even shoot down a stationary object. They brought them all the way out of Minnesota instead of... When you say around, don't you mean a missile? Didn't they launch a missile and miss, and they don't know what happened to the missile? <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. Well, probably, all of their stuff is built on heat-seeking capabilities, and if it's got no motor... Probably landed no in Poland. <laughs> now, I got a question yes, for sir. you. There was a fourth balloon 
and I don't know where it was and where it was shot down. I don't recall. I, I don't know. Have not been paying attention to that. I mean, to me, the whole Ohio uh, explosion of the tankers off the train is way more important of a story uh, than what has been happening with these government shootdowns. And also, not to mention the uh, Seymour Hirsch article that we reported on last week. And by the way, there's an update uh, to that about the Nord Stream pipeline explosion that he who was a longtime investigative reporter. He's in his 80s, and he's still doing investigative reporting, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. He says it was the United States. He's got an in, inside oh, of source. Of course it was. Yeah, well, we, we kind of knew that it was anyway. There was a lot of speculation that it was the U.S. Joe Biden basically admitted uh, in February that they were going to destroy mm-hmm. it before it was actually done. Since I brought up the, uh, you know, the cover... Uh, cover up basically on the Seymour Hearst story. Did mm-hmm. you guys hear about that? Were we talk? Did we talk about that last I, week? I don't think we did. Uh, not on Friday, anyway. Um, okay. what, can you give us a little bit of a summary? Like what exactly happened? Okay. And- so Seymour Hirsch, who's a longtime investigative reporter, who like blew the doors off of like Watergate. I mean, this guy's been around for. He's been doing this for fifty years, right? Like this guy's got some incredible renowned for his for investigative reporting. He's now in his 80s. He came out with a 5,000-word paper on what really happened with this uh, Nord Stream explosion. You may remember in uh, September of last year, the Nord Stream pipeline, which is underwater pipeline in the Baltic Sea, blew up. And right. it was like this big mystery of like, whoa, did Russia blow up their yeah, own pipeline? Mystery. And then in February of 2020 you, or 2022, you've got Joe Biden speaking at a press conference where he basically says straight out oh, yeah. that if Russia invades the if Russia invades Ukraine, we will take it out, meaning the Nord Stream talking specifically about the Nord Stream pipeline. And yeah. so they did. Yeah, he like named it by he name. Did. He did. Yeah. Same thing happened. There was a woman speaking to a, to a group of people, and and she said, "Well, one way or the other, Nord Stream will not consent, continue in service or whatever." Yeah. And and the the audience was like, "Well, how are you going to do that?" And she, "We're going to do it. We have our ways, <laughs> right? We're going to lie about it." Yeah. Afterwards, they ha- right? They haven't told the truth. They lie about everything. Yeah. So they telegraphed it in advance. Yep. They just the only thing they haven't done was, as nobody points out, actually claim responsibility yeah, for they it. They didn't confirm what they did. At least terrorists have a pair of balls, <laughs> right? Uh, well, other terrorists. And so Hirsch got himself an insider, somebody in either the CIA or the military, because apparently this was a you know multi jurisdictional operation involving both the CIA and the military. And uh, he talks about how they decided what to do early on, before the invasion. This was started back, he said, in December of 2021, the plotting for this. So this was all being plotted long before Russia decided to invade Ukraine. And then it was uh, the way they operated this was they teamed up with the Netherlands uh, military. And apparently every summer in this particular area of the Baltic Sea, there's some sort of joint military operations between, like, the Netherlands and some of the other uh, European countries that are up that way, Denmark, etc. And uh, they they have these military operations where there's ships in the water, right? Like, they're doing divings and whatever other things that they're doing. And so they decided they were going to use that yearly time frame in the summer as the cover 
to send down a, like a special diving squad to go and put bombs on the Nord Stream pipeline mm. in the midst of all the things that were going on. So they, they, would, have, they would have a reason to be out there because they were there every year for the military activities. So that's when they laced the bombs down on the pipelines. And then the bombs weren't triggered until three months later. Triggered. By a uh, buoy that was apparently dropped from a P-8 Poseidon plane that flew down, dropped the buoy that was issuing a signal out of it, and that triggered the explosion. I, I was really curious uh, if that was what they did or if they used a – because they have under – uh, they have subs that can do that sort of thing as well. Yeah, you didn't, they don't want to have anyone in the area. Well, it, with a sub, presumably they don't know you're in the area. Well, the Russians are monitoring underwater, so they wouldn't have been able to do that. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know how well it, that area is monitored or how, how much capabilities the Russians have to do that. But Well, according to the article, they have capabilities. So they couldn't just be seen, quote-unquote, right. in the water on the night of the explosion. Uh, but, of course, the plane was still seen uh dipping down from like 20,000 feet to 10,000 feet as it did something which wasn't known at the time what it was doing. Mm. So, but that's not it. That's not where the story ends. And again, there's a 5,000 word news piece that Seymour Hirsch put out about this. According to RT.com, Hirsch says more Nord Stream bombshells are coming. The legendary reporter slammed mainstream media for ignoring his story. He's promised to reveal more incriminating information linking the U.S. to the demolition of the Nord Stream gas pipelines. Those scumbags are just stenographers I mean, for the government. Of basically. course the mainstream media ignored it. They're working for the government. The yeah. government is actually paying reporters to go work at these papers in the first place. Anyway, I wanted to finish up here with uh, the statement from RT, which of course is Russia Today. It's the Russian government-funded uh, news site where they're they're reporting on this story. RT uh-huh. is covering the Nord Stream uh, bombings, and they have been since before Seymour Hirsch came out with his piece. Uh, but, and that's not surprising, considering they were more or less the victims indeed. of them. Uh, so they point out here that Nord Stream 1 and 2, which connected Russia and Germany under the Baltic Sea, were damaged in a series of underwater explosions last September. Hirsch, who is a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, released a report last week blaming the U.S. for the attack and detailing how the Biden administration and the CIA planned the operation. It is a detailed report. Uh, the White House dismissed the allegation as, quote, utterly false and complete fiction. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, then, then it must be true because right. Biden never makes a true statement. I mean, you know, the professional liars say this is a lie. This is kind of this is kind of a funny a funny thing because if this was like a trial, um, you know, the president already admitted to it before he committed the crime. He did. Yeah, and it's like like it, it's it, it's almost to a point where it's beyond a reasonable doubt if absolutely. it's not. You know, you like know the guys you would are... absolutely be convicted in a case. Well, I think we should extradite Biden to Russia and and have him stand trial. stand trial. Well, there was a lot more than just Biden involved in this, but you know the the actual plotting agents, the CIA and the military who were the ones that did the dirty work here. You know when they saw that clip of Biden actually just admitting to it or pl- admitting the plot, <laughs> yeah, right? you know they just all facepalmed at the same moment. You think like, they didn't know about that though what do you mean i mean well it seems like something that people in the military would pay attention to no what i mean is when biden uh spilled the beans publicly 
in February that they were planning to destroy the pipeline, you know these guys were like, oh my God, <laughs> what did he just say? Right. <laughs> he just spout, he's just spouting off at a press conference and he reveals what their big plan is. That's not the best, mm-hmm. you know, the smartest move. Didn't stop them from going through to No, they went through with it. it. No, did it. Uh, the article backed up Moscow's repeated assertions that the U.S. had carried out the strike in order to prevent rapprochement between Russia and Germany while making Berlin dependent on more expensive American liquefied natural gas, because that's what was in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Germany halted certification of Nord Stream 2 in the days before Russian troops entered Ukraine, and EU sanctions throttled the flow of gas through Nord Stream 1 since late summer by impeding vital repairs. However, Hirsch told Germany's Berliner Zutung newspaper Tuesday that the Biden administration feared Berlin would lift the sanctions and resume gas transit as temperatures dropped over the winter. But they they lucked out so far because apparently the winter, like it has been here, has been a little warmer uh, than than normal yeah, over in, in Germany. So they haven't had to dig into the reserves as much as they expected. Uh, he asserted, quote, the president of the United States would rather see Germany freeze and see Germany possibly stop supporting Ukraine. Of course you would. These people are all psychopaths. He said further, there may be more to learn about Joe Biden's decision to prevent the German government from having second thoughts about the lack of cheap gas this winter, said Hirsch. He said, stay tuned. We're only on first base. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of like a guy beating his wife uh, you know, and then like causing her to be fired from her job. And then, and then she can't like, she can't, the only thing she can do is like, you know, continue the relationship because then if she doesn't, it's, she has nothing. Right. Mm. And that's kind of where Germany is. They were getting gas from, from Russia. Russia and of course they're partnering with the United States, but <laughs> the United States then cuts off their relationship with Russia and therefore mm. they're now dependent on the United States. Yep, or China, or wherever else they can yeah. get the, the LNG from. Which, and don't the chip fabrication machines come from Germany? Mm. No, that's the Netherlands, I believe. Netherlands, yeah, what's so. that company? ASL, ASML um, or something like that? Why did this guy who spent decades doing this investigative reporting decide all of a sudden to jump into this independent website called Substack and start publishing and, and you know release this bombshell of a 5,000-word news story about the Nord Stream pipeline explosions. And I, I wanted to well, share... Well, all the young ones have been busy having a tantrum about Trump for six years. And I wanted to share what he had to say about it, because I think it's actually really interesting. Uh, so here's what he says. I, I just love this guy's uh, demeanor. He says, I've been a freelancer for much of my career. In 1969, I broke the story of a unit of American soldiers in Vietnam who had committed a horrific war crime. The My Lai Massacre. That's the one. They were ordered to attack an ordinary peasant village, where, as a few officers knew, they would get no opposition, and told to kill on sight. The boys murdered, raped, and mutilated for hours, with no enemy to be found. The crime was covered up at the top of the military chain of command for 18 months, until I uncovered it. I won a Pulitzer Prize for international reporting for that work, but getting it before the American public was no easy task. I wasn't an established journalist working for an established outfit. My first story, published under a barely existent wire service run by a friend of mine, was initially rejected by the editors at Life and Look magazines. When Washington Post finally published it, they littered it with Pentagon denials and the unthinking skepticism of the rewrite man, which I presume is an individual at the Post who just took Hirsch's work and just chopped it up or added things to it or whatever. 
editor. He says, I've been told my stories were wrong, invented, and outrageous for as long as I can remember, but I've never stopped. In 2004, after I published the first stories about the torture of Iraqi prisoners at Abu Ghraib, remember that one? Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. This was the guy, apparently. They were spreading democracy. That's how you do that. A Pentagon spokesman responded by calling my journalism, quote, a tapestry of nonsense. What was it they just said about his report about the Nord Stream pipeline? Let me reverse uh, 10 minutes here. We go back to the RT coverage. The White House dismissed his story as, quote, utterly false and complete fiction. Mm-hmm. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? You know, it's it's funny considering the government is made up of, of politicians and liars. Liars. Yeah. <laughs> or you repeat yourself. You repeat yourself. <laughs> right. I am literally repeating myself. The Pentagon spokesbureaucrat who commented on Abu Ghraib at the time also said, I was a guy who, quote, threw a lot of crap against the wall and expects someone to peel off what's real, unquote. I won my fifth George Polk Award for that work. I put in my time at the major outlets, but was never at home there. More recently, I wouldn't be welcome anyway. Money, as always, was part of the problem. The Washington Post and my old newspaper, the New York Times, to name just a few, have found themselves in a cycle of dwindling home delivery, newsstand sales, and display advertisements. Yeah, he's right. The newspaper business is it's dying. Yeah, and the government's now funding it, too. So CNN and its offspring, like MSNBC and Fox News, battle for sensational headlines over investigative jur- journalism. There are still many brilliant journalists at work, but so much of the reporting has to be within guidelines and constraints that didn't exist in the years I was turning out daily stories for the Times. Truth is treason and the empire alive. He says that's where Substack comes along. Here, I have the kind of freedom I've always fought for. I've watched writer after writer on this platform as they've freed themselves from their publisher's economic interests, run deep stories without fear of word counts or column inches, and most importantly, spoken directly to their readers. And that last point for me is the clincher. I've never been interested in socializing with Pauls or cozying up to money types at the self-important cocktail get-togethers, the star-effing parties, I always (laughs) like to call them. I'm, always, I'm at my best when I swig cheap bourbon with the servicemen, work over the first-year law firm associates for Intel, or swap stories with a junior minister from a country most people can't name. That's always been my style. And as it turns out, it's the ethos of this online community as well. Go ahead, Sarah. I just, I just heard on the news that in the New Orleans, um, they banned serving soda pop to children. So that's going to be Serving soda pop, meaning a child cannot order a soda at a uh, fast food or restaurant or a Seven Eleven or something like that. Um, I don't know how. I don't know what the details are. That's what I was told. So the parents, the kids, they don't order soda pop. The parents order it for them, right? What? No, what I've gone into. Places before as a child, like a 7-Eleven, and purchased my own soda. I certainly didn't need my parents uh, in order to do that there. I bought a lot of big gulps. Yeah, I can't imagine that that you would necessarily need to be... Uh, have an adult buy something for you. It's I, I guess I a certain... I a certain... If you go young enough, I guess maybe, but... Okay. Well, I, mean, I think... What they, what they try to do this at a restaurant in California... I don't know. They were trying to do this somewhere before. Yeah, so there that- has been proposals like this. Apparently, this is affecting restaurants, uh, according to NOLA.com. So I don't know if convenience stores 
are going to be included in this. A story from actually in January. So you're a little late to the party with this one, uh, Sarah, on this news. But this is what they're calling the Healthy Kids Meal Beverage Ordinance. (laughs) (laughs) Is this like a city ordinance? That's what it's sounding like here. I actually had to pull up a different site because Nola's loaded up with uh, blocking mechanisms here. Uh, New Orleans diners will have to go off menu if they want to order soft drinks with kids' meals, according to an ordinance by the city health department and passed unanimously by the New Orleans City Council earlier in January. In uh, sorry, late December, the measure went into effect January first. Restaurants will be able to serve water, milk, or fruit juice, which, by the way, fruit juice isn't that much better than <laughs> soda. Just for the record, it's loaded with sugar oh, yeah. in a lot mm-hmm. of cases. With kids' meals by default. According to the Times-Picayune, it's part of an effort to give children healthier food and beverage options and reduce rates of childhood obesity. You know, you know the crazy thing about that is it, they have the options already, and it's they do. Yeah. It's it's not like parents can't. Uh, you know, it, it, this is this is <laughs> this is the nanny state, right? It's the I, the whole thing about being a parent is, you know, you parent, but the state is like taking away, you know, that from the people. Um, it's just, it just seems crazy. What are you, are you in favor of this? Of course uh, she is, but yes, please Sarah? tell us all about it, Sarah. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I'm definitely in favor of this because most parents, um, they don't even know, uh, what to do for their own health. Um, because their, their parents, their grandparents or whoever raised them, um, gave them diabetes and get uh, fed a bunch of soda. So then you would agree that this doesn't, in your opinion, this ordinance doesn't go far enough. You would say probably that the parents themselves should be prohibited from ordering soda. Well, I mean, they're grown now, but the thing is that when they were children, but don't you care about the parents? I mean, shouldn't the parents also be forced into this scheme, into the, these restrictions where they also will have decisions made for them by uh, the city council? Well, the thing is, by, by the time, not really, but there's a lot of information out there that soda pops bad. But if you're a grown adult, then people kind of leave it up to them to make a decision. But children, they just do what's put before them, and that's what they're trying to protect. Hey, Sarah, you, the, you know what's you well, know what else is bad is you know uh, driving buses, right? I mean, when you get on a bus, <laughs> you're not walking, and you know, exercise is good. It's true. I mean, would you be bus. in favor of banning buses? No, but I have I have to walk. Quite but why a not? What well, would inconvenience I mean, her? Why would you, why would why is it okay, uh, you know, to ban parents, or you know, from 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 giving their kid, you know, I don't know, Coke or pe- 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 what is this, Pepsi or Coke or whatever, whatever, yeah. um, pop. Okay, they call it pop. Uh, I believe in that part of the country, um, but it's not okay, you know, to get rid of the buses. Well, they make you walk. Times that people have to ride the bus for ten miles, fifteen miles, five miles. Two but wouldn't that just make you healthier? Like Great exercise. Yeah, I mean that just mm-hmm. makes that just don't make us all healthier. I mean, look how fat people are in the United States. There's so many fat people in the U.S. today compared to just you know forty years ago or whatever. I worked in retail in the 1990s uh, as one of my first jobs, and you know I saw people coming through the the lines the people with the 24 packs the flats of uh, soda literally an entire cart loaded full of multiple packs 
of soda, and these were not the wealthy-looking types, right? These were some I've, of the poorest of the yeah, poor. Yeah, you know, I, I, one thing I have to say is it doesn't—it doesn't matter how wealthy you are. You will definitely drink, see people drinking a lot of soda, just in general. I think in the U.S. Um, yeah, yeah. Sure. You know, actually, the, the more disturbing things isn't honestly. I think that a restaurant would serve a kid's soda because, I mean, let's be honest, it's a restaurant. You know, when you go out to eat, often, especially for families, it's sort of a celebration. So. Letting the kid have some soda ain't necessarily like the worst thing. Um, the thing that's worse is really, I think, when parents are serving things like, oh, I don't know, soda to their kid in um, little uh, baby bottles. Is that a thing? That's a thing. Wow. And wow. I'm not sure how common it is, but <laughs> it's a thing. Oh, and um, I remember that from when I was, you know, I was a, a little kid myself. And um, yeah, and I heard like about this parent who would serve their. And, and this kid was heavy, um, mm-hmm. but it was, they were like, is this abuse? Like, I mean, because mm. every day the parent would give their kid, you know, their really young kid soda. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, parents are going to do things you disagree with. I mean, that's whether it's serving them food that uh, that you don't think is appropriate or uh, letting them walk to the bus stop alone. Like, some people get upset about the sort of free-range kids concept. So there's all kinds of disagreements about how uh, people should raise their kids. As far as I'm concerned, they're your kids. You decide. It's, yep. you know, it's up to you. And good your luck kids, with it. Your problem. Your problem. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yet there's still these these prohibitionists like Sarah. I mean, she's not the worst in that she is at least willing to say uh, adults shouldn't have this regulation uh, placed upon them. So, I mean, she we, we tried to see if she would go that way, and she didn't. But there are people like the person we started the show out with here tonight over at The Atlantic, Matthew Loftus, who believes that in the United States, we've rolled prohibition back too far. He says about that, he says, when arguments are made for loosening the government's restrictions on vice, usually proponents make their case with idealistic situations like shouldn't responsible independent adults be able to make decisions for themselves about how they spend their money or use their body? This seems appealing. And there are certainly well-informed adults who gamble and use marijuana judiciously. But focusing on these ideal cases and basing our laws on them disregards millions of people who suffer because of their addictions, and it obscures the underhanded tactics of companies who make money off the misery of addicts. So we should go to the trouble and expense of throwing people in prison because otherwise people will suffer the natural consequences of their own decisions. That's basically the argument here, that somehow you're going to help these people by threatening them with a jail cell instead of the other normal natural consequence of running out of money, uh, Mm -hmm. mortgaging your house, uh, getting in upside down over in your car or whatever, just to pay your gambling debts. God got it wrong when he designed the world, but luckily the government's (laughs) here to fix it. He says these debates expose a conflict over what we believe about virtue and vice. If we think that human beings, especially young people who are forming the habits that will last a lifetime, tend to make decisions based on what they have reason to be their best interests, then legalization makes sense. If life is a series of contracts we enter into freely, then there's no reason to keep potential harms off our smartphone or out of storefront dispensaries. However, This way of seeing the world overlooks the fact that our hearts and mind are shaped not only by reason, but also by our experiences, affections, and most important, our habits, which are just as often inexplicably self-destructive as they are reasonable. 
He says a rise in access to legal gambling will inevitably lead to a rise in gambling addicts. Natasha Dowschel's book, Addiction by Design, carefully documents how electronic slot machines are designed to get players addicted. One game designer says, quote, once you've hooked them, you want to keep pulling money out of them until you have it all. The barb is in and you're yanking the hook. But he points out that state laws tend to allow the gambling industry to regulate itself, which means that these companies are expected to identify and exclude their steadiest customers. This has been as unsuccessful as one might expect. As much as 50% of revenue comes from quote-unquote problem gamblers, while one study showed that in 1998 only 4% of gambling revenue from video lottery games came from so-called responsible gamers, just as tobacco companies would go out of business. If people used their products responsibly, gambling wouldn't be a multi-billion dollar industry if it weren't for addicts. Well, maybe when people have trouble with, with paying their taxes... The government should stop taking their money because obviously they're a problem taxpayer. Hmm, that's a good point. And, mm. of course, the government, if it actually cared about people and their monetary situations, it certainly wouldn't tax the poor. No, no. But it actually taxes the poor disproportionately compared mm. to what it does to the rich and uh, the middle class. Yeah. Well, they kind of have to. I mean, they could steal every dime from every billionaire in America, and guess what? He would run the federal government for less than a year. Mm-hmm. And then they wouldn't have any businesses, so they wouldn't have any income. You wouldn't be able to go back and shear them again because you slaughtered them last year. Now, it's easy enough to pick on gambling addicts, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's one that's going to tug at people's heartstrings. Um, some of us may have known people in our lives who have been addicted to gaming in some shape or form, whether it be, you know, actually going to a, a casino or doing an online uh, alternative. But this guy's actually going to go after marijuana legalization mm. in this article, which just seems it seems so unassailable at this point. It's like we're way beyond legalization it was what was it 2012 i think when colorado and uh, and washington state put legalization into place and you know proved basically in a year that the revenues to the state which isn't the reason why you should legalize but it is what they do uh the revenues from the state i think within a year or two exceeded the alcohol tax revenues interesting yeah so you know they proved that you know that the people didn't go insane because they could use marijuana legally because the people fact went is, insane because they lived in california well, <laughs> well california of course did medical first in 1996 but it took mm-hmm. them a little while to do the uh, the legalization they weren't first to the game on uh, on recreational but uh you know that they proved that people weren't going insane because the fact is People were already doing marijuana. People were all over the United States using illegal cannabis prior to it becoming illegal. And so ultimately all they did was they allowed them to come out into uh, public to some extent. And most of them went to government schools anyway, so they were already crazy. (laughs) Yeah, all I'm thinking is like it's – 
how do you have a war on marijuana or drugs unless there's drugs people using drugs indeed yeah so there were a lot of people using marijuana right. which is why it was the bulk of the war on drugs it's right. easy to catch it's bulky it's it, it stinks it's hard it's I mean, easy to find it they had no impact they had no uh impact as far as reducing drug absolutely use. not well yeah. that and if they were going to go after cocaine they'd have to arrest all the politicians and the bankers you just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live, and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.